This is Darren Coe. Welcome to the High Intensity Athlete Show, which is the only podcast that interviews high-intensity athletes such as strength athletes, bullfighters, Spartan racers, and armored combat athletes. We dive deep into the athlete's mindset, mental preparation, psychology, and mental skills to encourage athletes and fans alike to pursue and build excellent mindsets and mental performance. Each athlete provides wisdom, insights, and stories from training, competition, and life experience. Each interview is a masterclass in performance psychology and mindset. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Solid Rock Performance Podcast. This is Dr. Darren Coe with another episode, and let me tell you, this episode is going to be cool. Um, I grew up in North Dakota watching, uh, every once in a while, my dad or somebody in my family would take me to a rodeo, and I always loved watching rodeo, and I always love, and particularly I loved watching both. Well, you know, I loved all of it, but I really, I loved the Bronco Riders and the Bull Riders. And uh, of course, with the Bull Riders back then, it was, it was, it was the rodeo clowns. And now they have uh, apparently given those guys their due respect and turned that into a sport. And now they're bullfighters from what I can tell and I got one of those guys for tonight's show or for today's show, uh, Mr. Rhett Nielsen. Uh, I am really excited to ask him a bunch of questions about his thinking and motivation. So Rhett, welcome to Solid Rock Performance. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Like you said, I'm Rhett Nielsen. I'm from Lehigh, Utah, and I like to call myself a bullfighter. Hey, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about your sport and maybe some career highlights? Um, yeah, um, I grew up, I was born in Delta, Utah, um, but mainly grew up around Mona, Utah, um, moved around a bunch since then, um, ended, ended up staying in Lehigh, Utah for a while. Um, I've Grew up in a rodeo family. Uh, my dad was a team roper and a bareback rider, and my mom was a professional barrel racer, um, college national champion barrel racer, actually. Um, she's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, my older sister, she's a professional barrel racer and breakaway roper. Um, and my little brother, Strand, who is 20 years old, he is a professional bronc rider and bull rider so he's pretty there my siblings are pretty cool too i got i got a pretty cool family in my completely biased opinion <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah sounds, sounds like it's quite a bit in the blood what yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about bullfighting oh shoot it's a rush that's for sure um <laughs> It, our job is to jump in and save the cowboy and um, do the best we can 
to for none of us to get hit or ran over by the bull um but it happens um but if anybody's gonna get hit i'd rather it be me um if anybody's gonna get hauled out in an ambulance i'd rather it be me just because that's the job and that's kind of what i signed up for and it's what i love but yeah it, there's a lot that goes into it that I didn't realize went into it when I started fighting bulls. Uh, I kind of started fighting just in practice pens. I was riding bulls and we didn't have any bullfighters come out. So I'd kind of step out there in my boots, my spurs and help my buddies out. And it just kind of took off from there. Now, from what I can gather, there's a, like a national federation or association for bullfighters and uh, you guys compete against each other in different categories. Uh, is that correct? Uh, um, yeah. So the more of the bullfighting that I'm focused on is cowboy protection. What you see at rodeos, um, the guys going in and taking the hits for the bull riders, but there's also American freestyle bullfighting where these guys are fighting Spanish fighting bulls they're throwing fakes, they're jumping over them, they're doing flips over them. And that's actually a scored and judged event. Got it. Got it. Okay. And they also have competitions for the protection side of it. Um, oh. They just call them protection matches. Okay. Okay. So uh, you kind of, you, you, you gave us a little, uh, gave us a little bit about your family. Can you describe what it was like growing up in a rodeo family? What was childhood like? Uh, I was on a horse every day, <laughs> um, feeding cows, uh, you know, working cows, roping. Um, I actually team roped, steer wrestled, and calf roped all the way through high school and college as well. So between having four events, I was either on a bull or on a horse seven um seven days a week just about your body do you have many injuries are you kind of beat up uh i i have injuries i wouldn't say i'm beat up necessarily because i'm still young i'm not quite feeling it yet okay. but i mean ask me in 10 15 years i'll probably tell you i'm beat up but right <laughs> now i feel great but i do have i do have a list of injuries yeah What's the worst injury you've, you've, you've accumulated? Um, well, in 2019, it was April of 2019, I was fighting a college rodeo in Rangeley, Colorado, and a bull kind of hit me underneath and launched me 15 feet in the air, and I landed straight on top of my head and broke my neck. Um, and then it would have been the 4th of July that same year, I had a bull hit me square on the left side of my face and break the entire left side of my face. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a tough year. Did you get a couple of concussions out of that too, as a side order? Oh shoot. Between bull riding fighting bulls. I have, I've quite a bit of concussions more than I'm proud to say. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, so tell me, what would be a typical October day for you when you were in 11th grade? A typical October day. Oh, shoot. 11th grade, I'd uh, go to school, come back, and 
when we would practice riding bulls, uh, it was me, my dad, my brother, um, and my mom all working and a dog. We had a bullfighter dog because we didn't have bullfighters come to that practice pen either. But so usually when a bull rider rides a bull, he needs someone spotting him. He needs someone pulling his bull rope and then he needs someone latching and pulling the gate. So my dad, oh, and a flank man, you need a flank man. So my brother would spot me. My dad would flank the bull, pull my rope, jump down, pull the gate while my mom's on the fence videoing. And then my dad would pull the gate. We'd ride the bull or get bucked off the bull. And the dog, we had this awesome uh, golden lab. Um, and she wasn't a cow dog whatsoever, but I would have a bull coming to hit me and she would jump right in between, bite him on the nose and take him away from me. And that was our bullfighter back then. And then I would kind of fight bulls for my little brother because I, I mean, he's five years younger than me. I didn't expect him to go fight bulls for me, but <laughs> yeah. And then that's, I mean, doing that and then fighting practice pens and some junior high rodeos when I was in high school, that's kind of when it took off. Okay. Okay. Did your, uh, did your folks have pretty high expectations for you as an athlete? My dad definitely did. Um, and my mom did too, but she was a little bit softer about it, <laughs> but yeah, they definitely pushed me. Um, not in any bad ways. Like they didn't, if they're like, Hey, if this isn't for you, then you don't have to do it. But if you're going to do it, then you're going to be a hundred percent in it because it's one of those sports where if you're not a hundred percent in it, then you're going to get hurt. Yeah, I can imagine. I want to talk about that a little bit here in a few minutes. Uh, what's, can you tell me one lesson that you learned as a child that, that still impacts you, that, that is still important to you? Oh, there's a couple. Um, my grandpa, my, my, on my mom's side, my grandpa, I swear, he was a really big impact on my life. I mean, he was, he played football for BYU and he wrestled for BYU. So, I mean, and he's a professional bodybuilder. So, I mean, he's, he had gone through the ringer, you know, as far as putting his body through some pretty tough stuff, but he always said, no matter what happens, you're hurting, you're crying, whatever, you finish the job. You always finish the job and you just push through it and keep scratching until it's finally time to sit down. And my dad was kind of the same way. I mean, this is a guy who worked every day, all day, came home, worked all night. So, I mean, he was, uh, he's, I mean, he's a really tough guy. A uh, really hardworking guy, and he's kind of the same thing. If you're going to do something, you're going to be 100% in it, and we're going to be practicing every day, even on the days that you don't want to, because that's what it takes. Wow, that's a that's a that's a uh, honest in-your-face lesson. Yeah, 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 it definitely is. But I mean, I'm glad it was because it kind of embedded that his teachings were kind of embedded in me. Like you're going to do it and I do it every day because my dad used to say, 
your natural talent will only take you so far. And then after that, you have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. So uh, um, you, you really have talked a lot about how you, I mean, you just were raised basically bullfighting and bull riding and, and rodeoing. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, what keeps you doing it? Why? What motivates you to to keep getting back in the ring and and facing down that bull? Um. Well, the main reason is because it's so dang fun uh, <laughs> getting out there and kind of going head to head with a you know eighteen hundred pound animal. Um, who's got four legs versus your two, you kind of have to bring some fundamentals into it. And, um, and just the risk. Um, I've always been kind of an adrenaline junkie, whether it's riding motorcycles or whatever, but it's kind of like that adrenaline fix. You sit at home all week and then towards the end of the week, you're like, okay, we're going to Colorado this weekend. Let's, I'm getting that itch. I want to get in there and I want to get that adrenaline up. And then uh, the main reason, and one of the main things is I just want to be the best. I want to fight professionally. You know, I want to fight the big rodeos. I want to, I want to go all over and I want to, I want to make it my living because you can make it a living. Um, once you get into the pro ranks, I mean, that can be a job. How, so how- I kind of want to, how do you get into the, what qualifies you as to be a pro? So you get to a certain point where you kind of say, I think I'm going to go for my pro card. And then at that point, you have to have three people write you a letter of recommendation um, of a list of like 10. And those people can be a, it has to be a previous NFR bull rider, a circuit finals or NFR uh, bullfighter. Uh, NFR barrel man, uh, top five man in the can barrel man, uh, professional rodeo stock contractor, uh, Wrangler bullfights champion or Wrangler bullfights, uh, top five finisher. How so, how, and how close would you say you're getting to getting a pro card? Um, so I applied last year and that kind of goes into, and I actually got denied last year um, just because some things that happened at the particular rodeo. So after you get your uh, three letters of recommendation, you have to pay a $500 evaluation fee for the PRCA to come evaluate you. And they send a previous bull, uh, bullfighter, a uh, previous professional bullfighter who is now retired to evaluate you. And then if they approve you, then they say you're approved for your permit, fight five professional rodeos, and then those rodeos will uh, tell us how you did, and then we'll approve you for your pro card. Um, But you can fight whatever rodeos on your permit, Um, but it's just nice to have that card, uh, the card to go with it, just because that means you're in it. Uh, You don't have to worry about doing anything after you have your card. Um, but as far as how close I am is I've sent in my evaluation fee again this year. Um, I have my letters of recommendation and then you have to send in five 
non-PRCA sanctioned rodeos to come get evaluated at. So I sent that in. Um, now I'm just waiting for the check to get cash. That way I know they're going to come watch me. Right. Right. I did not realize that, uh, it was, it was kind of that, is there a difference in, in difficulty of bullfighting between pro, a pro bullfight and a pro and a, and a amateur, I guess, bullfight? Um, I wouldn't say there's much of a difference because we're always taught to keep the game simple and keep it the same. Nothing changes, rain, mud, snow, or shine. Yeah. Uh, the game never changes. So I would definitely say as far as politically and, uh, it's the PRCA is more of a business because right now at the amateur rodeos, I fight for a contractor. So, and I'm, I'm their number two guy. So there's me, there's another guy and then me and the other guy's been there a little bit longer, but I have every single rodeo that they have all summer long. So I'm guaranteed those rodeos. But once I get into the PRCA, I have to send in bids. Um, I have to talk to committees. I have to talk to professional contractors and see if they'll even have me. So it's more of a business as far as trying to get rodeos because you actually have to send in a legit bid for that. Rodeo. Wow. It sounds like kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, they actually call bullfighters, picket men and, and rodeo announcers contract personnel. Um, just because we're sending in a contract to come fight your rodeo. Um, it's pretty much once you, once you get that first rodeo, you kind of get some exposure. Sure. Um, and then people start talking about you, people start seeing you. And then after that, it's, it, it gets a little bit easier. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so what I'm hearing is you talked about, you got to be into this 100% or you're going to get hurt basically. Yeah. Can you describe a little more the discipline it takes to be a great bullfighter? Um, yeah. So, I mean, as far, I mean, timing is something that I work on every day because if your timing's off, I mean, no, two bull riders get bucked off or jump off the exact same at the exact same time. So you kind of have to stay on the balls of your feet the whole time and just get ready to jump and run as fast as you can. And you're running as fast as you can. And then once you get to that bull's head, you're coming to a complete stop. And then picking that bull up and then you're going again. Um, so, I mean, as far as discipline, there's a lot of guys out there that I've seen. Um, if they don't like a bull rider, I've seen them leave them hanging high and dry. Um, just kind of, uh, oh, the, this guy did me dirty. I'm not going to help him out. So as far as discipline, like you got to be there for every single guy, um, every single bull, and uh, be able to save. Lay, I mean, sometimes lay down your life for – uh, some guy you don't even know. So yeah, a lot of discipline comes into it. Um, it's kind of, 
You just jump in and take the hit if you need to. I'm I'm hearing uh, that you really. It sounds like there's a mental discipline where you have to fight the urge to run away. Like you, you have to be disciplined enough to go in and face something that any typical person is going to run away from. Right. And, and you have to have the mental discipline to shut that part of your brain down. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, they talk about flight, fight or flight. I mean, if you're a bullfighter, you better have that fight because yeah. it's really easy, especially when you're fighting for the same contractor all summer, you know, this one's nice and you know, the next one's going to be really mean, you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, I can just kind of wave my hand at this one and they'll come to me. But I mean, I mean, Rex done. I mean, world champion, uh, bullfighter, freestyle bullfighter, um, who has since passed. But he said something that sticks with me every day. He says, a bull is only as bad as you make him. So if you're making a bull out to be this man killer that's going to eat you and everyone in the arena, then you're going to be pretty scared and you're probably not going to go out there and fight him the best you can. So, I mean, if you just treat them all like, yeah, you got to treat them all like they're mean, but you also can't treat them like they're these man killers because you have to go in there and put your hands on this thing. Just another opponent. Right. Got it got it that's fascinating i mean it's really it's just like in wrestling or or anything else mixed martial arts it's just another opponent you can't yeah you can't you can't uh think yourself out of uh out of winning basically right it's just like playing football i mean if you're on the offensive line and you see michael Orr across from you gritting his teeth breathing down your neck coming to sack you I mean, are you just going to curl up in a ball? Or are you going to throw the ball into the ground? Or are you going to try to try to get that first down or touchdown? And most guys, they're going to try to get that touchdown. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go into the challenge and face it. Right. Man, brilliant. Um, this is another question that I really... Um, kept hitting me as I was, I kind of went through your Instagram videos and I looked some stuff up on online. Uh, but how do you train physically and mentally to, to be a great rodeo athlete, to be a great bullfighter? What's your training like? Uh, CrossFit. Okay. CrossFit running. I actually used to train out of a gym in Nephi, Utah called WASFIT. Um, he was my old history teacher and then he started up a gym down there in Nephi and I'd go down there and do, I mean, when I was living in Mona, I was going four, five times a week, just, you know, busting it out, doing my CrossFit. And, uh, I got to a point to where I started just lifting weights and I had never been slower in my life as far as my reaction time. And stuff like that, just because, I mean, I, I don't want to say I was bulky, but I mean, I was putting on more muscle than I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't shaping myself to do the right sport. 
Yeah. I was shaping myself up to be a steer wrestler because that's what I was doing at the time as, oh, as well as riding bulls. So, okay. I mean, and then I got to the point to where I was just riding bulls and fighting bulls. So I was just doing CrossFit and then my reaction time got quicker. Um, everything just got a little bit more snappy, quick. Um, a lot of guys run. Um, uh, if you ever want to see a bullfighter's workouts, check out Dusty Tuckness on Instagram or on YouTube. That guy is a beast. I mean, he is training every day. Um, I mean, two times a day. I mean, the, the, the one of the best bullfighters of all time that's still going and fighting bulls. Um, he's not old or anything. He's just an absolute animal mentally and physically. Yeah. What do you do to train mentally? Do you have anything that you do? Um, throughout the day, I mean, you're at work, you're kind of going through the motions. It's really easy to get a bad attitude. Um, that carries over to your sport. I mean, if you have a bad attitude in the morning, I mean, you can easily ruin your whole day and have a bad attitude for the rest of the day over 10 seconds of something that doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. So I try to just kind of brush things off. Uh, when I was riding a bulls, I would get bucked off and I'd get really mad at myself. I'd get really down on myself. And then one of my good friends, he's had qualified for the NFR in the bull ride and he's from Nephi. He's, uh, name is Jerry Shepard and he kind of came down and grabbed me he's like hey you get five minutes five minutes cuss swear kick something you know be mad for five minutes but once your gear is put away or that five minutes is up it's done it's over with let it go I mean think about that doesn't mean you can't think about what you did wrong um, cause you obviously need to watch film. You need to think about what you did wrong so you can fix those things, but it doesn't do any good to cuss, swear and throw stuff because it really gets, you know, you're not fixing anything. You're just making things worse. Um, but I also watch a lot of motivational, uh, videos on YouTube. Um, Denzel Washington, he is my go-to guy okay. as far as motivational speeches. Um, just because he's, he's just one of those guys that's just brilliant. You know, he's just been there, done that. And he tells people about it. I mean, yeah. he's just a amazing motivational speaker. Um, one of my good buddies, actually Braxton Nielsen. Um, he's here from here in Utah. He, uh, got in a bareback riding accident a few years back and broke his back and, has almost made a full recovery. I mean, he's walking, he's got married now, has a kid. I mean, the guy's doing awesome. And he was one of the best bareback riders going down the road. And he is a, an amazing motivational speaker. So but, what I'm, what I'm hearing there is you spend regular time putting, uh, putting in your brain, good mental fuel. Yeah. Um, mostly when I'm alone, like if I'm driving alone, I'll do it. But if I have people in the car, I'm not going to make them listen to that stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if I'm driving alone, I'll, I'll, I'll turn on the motivation and, you know, listen to some stuff, think about some stuff and kind of 
Yeah. It's a good way to decompress as well. Sure. Uh, are you an introvert or, or an extrovert? You like being around people or you need a little downtime? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I don't mind being around people. I can carry a conversation. You know, I love meeting new people. Um, I like being around like rodeos. It's hard to be an introvert in rodeo. I mean, yeah. they are there. But especially as a bullfighter, when you kind of have to be an outspoken guy, you know, to meet people, to get jobs, to get rodeos, to talk to committees. Um, but I also like to be alone for a few minutes during the day, you know, go do something outside, go mow the lawn, just something like that. Sure. Yeah. Just a, a little something to recharge the battery. Right. How, uh. How <laughs> how do, can you describe the kind of focus you need to have as a bullfighter and and how do you build that or how do you develop that focus? Um so I mean this weekend I go to Ignacia, Colorado to fight a um extreme bull team match for ray smith down there um they're bucking 60 bulls in a day starting at noon we're gonna have a section and then starting at six we're gonna have another section of bulls um so on saturday i'll fight 60 bulls which is uh, it's quite a few bulls wow. i mean you're running around but in my head i've probably fought 500 already okay okay in my head i've pictured I visualized, you know, I've already fought 500 bulls before I even show up. I might not have gone and fought bulls physically, but in my head, I fought all of them. And that keeps you focused. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of, cause in your head, your, your mind is an amazing tool if you use it that way, because you can visualize and play out different scenarios in your head all day long like this bull's going out and he's turning to the right the rider falls off behind i'm gonna go to the right with that same motion because that bull's already going that way it's a lot easier to grab a bull and keep him going the same way because they have four legs so they're on a lead they're either on a right lead or a left lead so it's easier to just keep them going in that in that right lead and then you can switch them up after that whatever you need to do i visualize guys getting knocked out me having to grab that bull and take him to the middle of the arena and possibly let him hook me and throw me all the way across the arena just to get him away from that rider because that rider's motionless i can still move at that point i can still take this bull where i want to take him but this rider i mean he's completely still i want to grab that bull and i want to take him to the complete opposite end of the arena just stuff like that, different scenarios. Um, I visualize guys making these awesome rides and me going in to help them get off, you know. Um, I mean, there's a million things you can think about to visualize a perfect performance. Yeah. So you run through all that, get it programmed into your brain, and then when you see the scenario, then your body does just does what it's supposed to. All I have to do is react and then just kind of trust my 
subcon well yeah trust my subconscious mind to kind of pick up the slack of where we're at yeah brilliant that's utterly brilliant yeah um how do you keep your mental energy you got to go out and fight 60 bulls how do you keep your energy up oh you know it's gotta just be the love of the game you, okay. know, you just gotta okay. you just gotta love what you're doing because if i'm if i'm out there fighting 60 bulls but i wish i was in let's say calgary wanting to ride bulls at the calgary stampede but i'm in ignacia colorado fighting bulls there's no way that i can perform the way i need to perform to help these guys out if i wanted to be somewhere else riding bulls then that's what i should be doing i should yeah. not be doing what i'm doing um a good friend of mine his name is dylan duncan he's a professional bull rider but um to keep that mental energy he was we were at a joe i was fighting a joe frost bull riding school a, uh, a couple weekends ago and he was talking to this student because he's like what do you do for your mental side um and he just said i just have to be right here right now i don't need to be last weekend i don't need to be where i'm going next weekend i need to be right here right now so you find something that you love and for him, he loves to watch Buck and Horses Buck. So he'll hurry. When he gets to a rodeo, he'll hurry and get all of his stuff ready that he needs to ride his bull. And then he'll go behind the buck and shoots and he'll watch Buck and Horses Buck because that's what he loves to do. And that's what he, that's what keeps him in the moment, keeps him at the rodeo, you know. Just, yeah. And for me, I mean, I just love, I love watching I love bullfighting, but I love watching bucking bulls buck because they're just such athletic, cool animals. So it's really easy to stay mentally focused on something that I can watch happen and then also do what I love to do all at the same time. Keeps me right there, 100% focused all the time because I just love watching the entire process of each rider, each bull, everything that has to do with the bull riding. Sometimes I'll even go ask, like, hey, how, how old is this bull? Oh, he's five years old. How tight of a flank do you give him? Oh, not very tight. You want to feel it? And I'll be fine, bulls, and I'll grab the flank just because I like to know how old. Like, an older bull is probably going to take a tighter flank. A younger bull is going to take a looser flank. So just learning those things and kind of staying in the moment. Not, I mean, you need to stay focused on what you're doing, but it doesn't have to be bullfighting the whole time because yeah. there is breaks and you'll if you're just if you're just so riled up and wound up about fighting bulls you're going to burn yourself out yeah mentally so i mean just almost exercising your brain asking people questions talking to your barrel man talking to contractors talking to gate man just being friends right there so you can just talk just kind of keeps you in the moment and then when the moment happens, your mind is clear. Yeah, it's almost like you're describing like mental stretching or something. You know, you go mm -hmm. in, you fight the bull, you, you're amped up, and then you go out and you're still in the moment of the rodeo, but you're kind of stretching, getting the brain decluttered, and, and 
still in a rodeo mindset, but not so amped up that your brain's all burnt out. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you can get so pumped up about something that you burn yourself out. Like it's like hearing a really good song for the first time. So you put it on repeat and you listen to it while you're on your way down the road, you listen to it six times, and then it finally just starts to sound kind of groggy to you. You know, you're listening <laughs> to the same thing over and over and over. You start to not like the song so much. And eventually you get to the point to where you never listen to that song again. And that's kind of how it goes with whatever sport you play is if you're just so worried about it and it's just on repeat the whole time you're doing it after a certain amount of time you're just back oh my gosh when are we going to be done so visualizing mental stretching man this is brilliant stuff i love it um how do you build confidence to be a bullfighter i mean you you can you unpack the level of confidence you have to have to walk in that arena and get ready to jump in front of a bull and take a shot? Um, I mean, your confidence level has to be pretty high. Um, you have to think that you're the baddest dude there and that, <laughs> no, I mean, and you don't have to show it. You don't have to be cocky, but in the back of your head, you're back. I'm the baddest dude here. I'm going to go fight bulls because I'm good at it. You know, and you don't have to go up to someone, but, hey, I'm the baddest dude here and I'm going to go fight bulls because I'm really good at it. But in the back of your mind, you have to kind of carry yourself that way just because if you go out there, you're like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't, I've never fought these bulls before. I've never fought here before. I've never fought in front of a crowd before. Then you're going to get yourself so worried that you're not going to perform. Yeah. So it's just, really just being mentally strong, you know, confident, like you say, um, you just got to think you're the best, even though in reality, you might not be the best. You've got to think that if you're going to do it, you better think it. How do you, can you build that? Is that something you can build up? Yeah. Um, having, being around good people, like the, the rodeo company, circle J rodeo company that I fight for, um, Pete Polson, Stacy Mascaro, they're the kind of guys that if you do something cool, they're going to let you know that it was pretty cool. They're going, nice job, Rhett. That was awesome. Good job. Way to pick that bowl up and, you know, nice gap, you know, you're doing awesome. And then after like, Hey, you did a really good job. I mean, that just, I mean, the guys that pay you saying that kind of stuff that just, I mean, I almost have to buy a bigger hat sometimes because my head's getting so big because there's all of these guys, you know, pumping me up and, you know, you it's, believe, it, it's. So you believe it and then they reinforce that, you know, they see it and it just, every time right. it's a, something good, it just builds and builds. Right. And I mean, every motivational speaker says that if you surround yourself by losers, you better believe you're going to be a loser. You know, if you surround yourself, I mean, there's a, I can't remember who said it, but he said, Go sit in a room with winners and see how the conversation changes. Because no one's down being down on other people. No one's getting down on this guy. They're all talking about 
being better, being the best, you know, because that's what winners do. They want to be the best. They want to win because yeah. winning's fun. Winning's fun. Yeah. Doesn't always have to be about winning, but winning's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun when you do it. <laughs> that's what I tell my little brother all the time. I'm like, just go do your thing. I mean, it's a judged event. Just go have fun. And the rest will take care of itself and win because winning's fun. <laughs> do you ever do you ever doubt yourself at all or have any anxiety um uh last year when i got denied on my pro card i i i was doubting myself pretty bad like oh do i have what it takes to even be a bullfighter because they just pretty much say denied you're not getting your pro card this year they don't really elaborate on that so you're just like oh i wonder what i did was it this was it that was it was it the, did I not carry myself? Was I not professional enough for them? Yeah. Um, so I got pretty down. Um, and then that year, the rest of the year, I'd go fight bulls and I, I did my job, but I didn't do it as good as I know I can. Okay. Um, I was just kind of there, you know, I was just, I was running out there, waving my hands up, getting the bulls head up and then not, you know, because as a bullfighter, you want to sell the show. You want to take a bull out. You want to run around him and take him to the barrel, jump over him on the barrel, you know, sell to, sell some tickets. I didn't do any of that just because I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I got denied on my pro card. I don't probably can't go fight this bull like that, like I have done in the past. But all of a sudden it changed like that to, oh, can I even do this? Do I even know what I'm doing? So, yeah. yeah. A lot of people ask me if I get nervous. Um, I say no. I get excited, and it looks like it looks like I'm nervous just because I'm so excited to get out there and go do it. I mean, I'll have my earphones in before, and I'll be pacing around. They're like, "Are you scared?" I'm like, "No, just let me in. Let me go. It's time to go." Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty common among people that are really good at what they do. Is is they don't get nervous. They get excited. They yeah. Don't, they don't see it as something to be worried about. They see it as a challenge. Right. Um, so uh, how did actually, how did you come out of that season? So you're doubting yourself, you're down, you're not performing where you should be. How'd you get out of that? Um, this winter. So I ended, uh, earlier in the fall last year as far as what rodeos I was going to so I just started going to practice pins um I have a really good friend that lives about 30 minutes away from me um he's an old he's a retired professional bullfighter kind of went down to his house just kind of picked his brain talked to him um had him coach me around a little bit just to uh you know and he just said like hey you got it like you're good just let it go try it again keep pushing um, and then I went to some bullfighting schools, uh, okay. cause you're, you're never too good for clinics, right? Yeah. You never know. You can never know enough. You can think you do, but you don't. So I went to a Rob Smith. He's one of the best bullfighters to ever do it, uh, back in his day. Um, Rob Smith's bullfighting school. And then I went to a Kelly Jennings, uh, bullfighting school, which they are both, uh, NFR bullfighters and really cool guys and I went to their schools and just kind of had him yell at me for a couple of days you know just yeah yeah you're doing fine you're doing good don't do that don't do this you know 
just kind of yelling at me and yelling for me. Yeah. And it was really good. It boosted my confidence. I think that's a really important. Yeah. I think that's a really important point is uh, always be willing to learn. You know, there's always some little thing, you know, maybe, maybe you fail uh, to jump in at the right time and being open to have someone go, you know, you could have moved left instead of right. And right. I think, I think there's too many athletes out there that, that they don't, they don't want to hear that stuff. They just think they got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And then they wonder why they only reach to a certain level. Yeah. So I got guys, you know, I got guys all around me at the gym. My, my sport I do is a uh, strong man. Okay. And I got guys around me at the gym who if they tell me something, I take it to the bank, you know, there's other guys I don't because, you know, you see how they perform, but I got, I got friends and training partners who I will ask, you know, watch me do this or, uh, you know, why isn't this working? Or I'll send a video to somebody. Can you please critique this? This feels awful. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I love to hear that that's part of how you came out of being down and doubting yourself was by getting some new learning and going and finding some guys to coach you. And that's one thing that my mom always told me. She's like, you can always learn something from somebody. It's either what to do or what not to do, but you can (laughs) always learn something from a person. I like that. What not to do as well. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Hey, how do you manage the pain when you have to compete with an injury? You don't think about it. <laughs> just don't think about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like. Do you, do you have any, like, little mental tricks to shut it out? Uh, not really because it, it'll hurt until I step out. It'll hurt until they buck that first pull and then adrenaline takes over and I don't feel anything until after. Okay. I can, I can feel that. That adrenaline that you get from fighting bulls, it, it blocks out quite a bit of pain. I bet. I bet. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, then you don't feel it till tomorrow. Right. I mean, I'll tape up. Um, if I hurt my ankle or something, I'll tape my ankles, tape my wrists. I mean, fingers and ribs are something that you break all the time. Um, just because that's, you got your hands on the bowl, they're coming at you, you're breaking fingers. Um, you're trying to get a hold of a bowl and kind of in your side area, they're hitting you, breaking ribs. No um, kidding. Yeah, it's 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 pretty common. Um, hasn't happened. In, I mean, fingers have, but I mean, as far as the ribs, it hasn't happened to me for a while, but I mean, once you step out there and they buck that first bowl, you, there's not much room. There's no room to think about anything else, but that once the bowl is out of the gate, there's no room for any outside thoughts other than what you're doing. If you're there's thinking, no time for it. If you're thinking about something else, you're going to get hurt probably. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah, you're, if you're thinking about your injury while you're fighting bulls, you're going to get hit, and then you're going to have two to worry about. So, um, let's say you're a – well, you've actually kind of talked about this, but uh, – so I'm going to go on to this next question because I think this is the one a lot of people would ask. Maybe you've already been asked this by people. So um, – that bull is looking at you from across the arena. Um, what are you thinking and feeling at that point? Uh, a lot of times, you know, a bull will be so mean that he's not me. They'll act so mean, but when you go to him, they'll kind of bluff off. So, when a bull's staring me down like that, I'll kind of say, is he bluffing or is he not bluffing? And then once I go to him and try to fight him, he doesn't bluff. It just kind of turns into he's not bluffing. Let's go. We're doing it now. That takes me to my next question is uh, what's the voice in your head saying as, as the bull charges, as he decides to throw down, I guess. Uh let's go let's see what you got let's see what i got kind oh, of, man. you know it's almost like you grit your teeth and see who's the better man <laughs> <laughs> man i want you standing next to me the next time i get into a fight at a bar oh no <laughs> i'm no good in that situation <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not either but <laughs> heaven forbid that ever happens right actually i i don't remember the last time i was at a bar so it's kind of a little <laughs> point <laughs> um so you get close enough to those bulls where you're touching them and you're actually guiding them around it sounds like Mm -hmm. what are you thinking and feeling when you're so close to a, a 1800 pound animal that that you can touch it and and they're they're cranky um a lot of times i wonder if i'm close enough oh okay because i mean you can be five feet away from a bull and it'll feel like you're right there so that's why i always like to get my hands on them because then i know i'm close enough because you can be not just reaching for him, not even touching. And it feels like you're right there in it. You know, you can be 10 feet away and it feels like you're two feet away. You feel, I mean, I'm one foot away. It feels like I'm two inches away. So I like to pretty much at first when I go in, I kind of like to get to the point where that bull's pushing me kind of to where I get him right here and he kind of nudges me and yes. then I can pick up a gear and go. Man, yeah, I've seen I've seen that in some of your videos. I was yeah. like, I'm 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 watching. I'm like, dude, you got to move, and I didn't realize yeah. that that's sort of on purpose. Yeah, and I mean, you're going full blast, and then once you get in between the bull and the rider, you want to come to as much of a complete stop as you can, because if you just if you're just running and you go past them, they'll that bull can't see you. So you have to stop right there, grab them, 
and then continue your motion out. Wow. It's kind of like a, like a six. So you're grabbing them, you're making a six coming in tight. So you really have to have a lot of things on autopilot so that you can think through your strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a go with the flow type of deal because each bull is different. Each bull can switch leads on you. I mean, you just kind of got to, they call it picking up the pieces. They call fight bulls just picking up pieces because you're picking up each piece as you go and then putting it together like a puzzle. Only you're doing it in, in, uh, as fast as possible time. Yeah. Yep. Have you ever, have you ever had the experience of time slowing down when you're in there with a I, bull? I have. Yeah. It's a pretty cool feeling. Um, I was fighting a bull. I, was t- I just took him out in the arena and I was just kind of going around him. I mean, at first I jumped through what we call the gap in between the bull and the rider. And it just felt like everything was in slow motion. And then I just kind of picked him up and it's, I was rounding. I know I was, cause I saw the video after, but I well, it was more of a jog, but it just felt like I was walking. It just felt like we were both walking in a circle. Okay. No yeah, and I mean, ever since that happened once, it's it's kind of it's become more of a frequent thing. Yeah, they the sports psychologists we call it being in flow or being in the zone where everything, yeah. where your brain and your body are in perfect timing, and that is in perfect timing with the challenge that you're facing. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a really cool feeling. It's, it's and that's one of those things that I keep fighting bulls for is just because that was such a cool feeling. I'm like, oh, I want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> that does not surprise me. The, <laughs> the, there's um there's a term actually for it. They call it flow addicts, where you're mm. you keep doing challenging things because you're addicted to that that one state of mind where everything is working perfect and yeah and interestingly enough um that state of mind actually has strong healing properties like physical yeah the science of it is that it kicks in all of these different hormones and all of these different uh neurotransmitters in the brain and it actually facilitates uh healing um i know one guy is a case study who brought him back from the himself back from the edge of death to due to cancer by going out and surfing and getting himself into that state every time he went surfing so your injuries and your body and your brain are probably not as beat up as they could be given that you're able to enter that state frequently. Yeah. Hmm. I did not know that. That's really interesting. And it doesn't surprise me that you're able to enter the state of flow more and more um, as you challenge yourself more and more. Yeah. So that's pretty Hmm. cool. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. That's, that's really cool. Learn something new every day. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I want to be real respectful of your time. So could you close us out with, uh, could you tell us your favorite bullfighting story? Um, yeah, I got I to kind of think about it. There's so many. Um, probably would have been just this year, uh, New Year's Eve, bull riding in Loveland, Colorado. I mean, they had it in the Budweiser Event Center. So it's just this giant hockey rink that they put a rodeo arena in. Um, and it was actually a protection match and freestyle bull fight, but I wasn't in the freestyle bull fight, but I entered with my buddy in the protection part and we ended up winning that protection rodeo. But I mean, this arena was just packed. There was standing room only. I mean, it, it was one of the loudest, most intense environments I've probably ever been in. Um, but I mean, people were just cheering because I mean, something new, it's one of the biggest events in Colorado of the year, that time of year. Um, and then, so this kid came off of a bull that was bucking really hard. I mean, he was coming up in the air, kicking really hard and the rider came off, the bull was coming back around and I jumped over the kid and grabbed that bull in midair like this. And then just kept going. Me and my buddy just kept working him, fighting him. I mean, and the crowd was just, you know, going crazy. And it was, that was definitely one of the fun. I mean, getting there from here, getting from Lehigh, Utah to Loveland, Colorado, supposed to be a seven-hour trip, 14-hour uh, round trip. It took us 11 hours to get there and 14 hours to get back. So, but it was a good, it was a good trip. It was, it's definitely one of the more memorable ones, but that, that's probably, I can actually send you a picture of, of that event i'll is send it, it to you after we're done is it on on your instagram yeah yeah it is it's yeah. a black bull with a white face and i'm wearing my purple utah jazz jersey yep i've yeah. i i looked at it i looked at yeah. it a couple of times as a matter of fact just to make sure i was <laughs> seeing them because <laughs> uh yeah that's pretty that's pretty cool that's awesome and congratulations yeah, that on fun. that well thank um, you well, Rhett, uh, man, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I yeah. learned some really cool things that I'm going to actually apply to, uh, to competing in strongman from you. So yeah, uh, well, good luck. I hope I wish you the best. Hope you go out and kick their butt. <laughs> when, uh, when is your next competition? Um, we actually leave tomorrow night. It's on Saturday in Ignacia, Colorado. Okay. Well, I'm going to make sure and uh, follow along as you put stuff on Instagram. And uh, again, thanks for being on Solid Rock Performance, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hey, if you are enjoying the content being put out by Solid Rock Performance and you would like to support Solid Rock Performance podcast so that I can continue to put this content out, I would invite you to use the link in the show notes and just make a donation. 
that would really go a long way to allowing me to keep putting out this content, to keep building people up and keep encouraging people and pursuing interviews and getting in deep into the weeds, into the minds of elite and intense athletes. Hey, thanks a lot.